This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PDT, episode 43, part one of two. We sit down with a longtime ANSYS Granny user to understand what it is and why everyone is so happy to have it with us. Hi there and welcome. I'm Eric Miller, one of the owners of PDT and a longtime ANSYS user and a recent Granta fan, which is what we're going to talk about today. We're doing something a little bit different. We're doing a two-part podcast because we actually did two separate interviews. We couldn't get everybody on the same call at the same time. So we split it up into two interviews. Um, and we first talked with a user of Granta and then with the CEO and a co-founder, as well as the new material business unit manager from ANSYS Inc. That'll be in part two. So because these are both so long, we're going to skip the news and there wasn't much anyway to talk about. In part two, I will talk about the ANSYS, um, how they released information to Wall Street on this, the uh, company's performance and everything. So we'll do that, but otherwise we'll skip some of the other things just to focus on the interviews. So we're going to talk about Granta, which is a material database tool that ANSYS recently acquired with the purchase of the company called Granta. And I'm going to let the interview explain more of it. Uh, for this first interview, we talked with John Perrick from Honeywell Aerospace here in Phoenix. Uh, John is a longtime user uh, long before the ANSYS acquisition. He's a material scientist, and he really knows this tool really well. So we thought, let's find out from him why, uh, get a perspective from him on why this tool is uh, so popular and why he likes it so much. So let's hear what he has to say. Hi there. Welcome to uh, our first meeting using the new Microsoft Teams application. So I uh, uh, hope this goes well. Uh, we're to here to talk today about Granta. And we've got John Perrick from Honeywell, who's been a longtime user of the code, joining Doug Otis uh, and my partner, Ward Rand. It's, I think, Ward, this is your first time on the podcast. So welcome. It is. Yes, you bet. Um, and he's he's talking from his uh, iPhone in the parking lot at uh, Honeywell Torrance. So <laughs> kind of all over the place today. So, um, John, why don't you introduce yourself and explain to us, um, you know, how we I, we like to start with, you know, how did you become an engineer? How did you end up using these kinds of tools and uh, just uh, how you ended up becoming a Granta user? Okay. Uh, my name is John Perrick. I'm a materials and process engineer with Honeywell Aerospace. I'm been here in Tempe, Arizona for almost 20, 25 years now. I also worked with the Honeywell site in Toronto, Canada before I transferred here. Um, I'm actually from um, the Toronto area originally, and I worked in the nuclear power area first and also at Spar Aerospace on the space shuttle and cool. the robot manipulator for space station first um, before I joined Honeywell. And um, so I have a lot of uh, breadth and background in terms of material materials um, mm -hmm. and materials applications. And um, I think I my first exposure to the um, CES tool was back when it was um, in its infancy in Toronto before okay. it was a uh, Windows-based application. Um, I think it was at a um, composites conference and they were demonstrating it there. And then when I came to uh, Tempe, um, I had seen it. So I, I did some more poking around and um, we were developing a materials database here in Tempe. And um, we were actually looking at MVision. I'm not sure if you had mm -hmm. heard of that before. Yeah. Uh, we were rolling that out back in the late 90s, 98, 99 timeframe for several years. 
Um, but that was a real beast um, in terms of uh, user friendliness. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't really taking off. So we transitioned to a Java-based tool uh, towards the 2000 timeframe that we were developing ourselves. And um, um, again, that was taking a lot of effort. So um, I think that was terminated around the 2001 timeframe. So around during that overlapping experience, I, I purchased a one-year CES uh, database evaluation um, around 2000. And um, there was a lot of interest in that because it was so easy to use and um, so powerful. And based on the success of that one-year evaluation, um, we were able to um, successfully implement a one-year rolling license where for about the next four or five years, we had CES and the CES database here on site up to about 2005. Mm-hmm. And then Honeywell joined the MDMC in 2005 and um, started being more active in that. And then around 2007, um, Honeywell um, started using Granta MI mm-hmm. and rolled that out to aerospace. And um, about that time frame, um, we terminated the Tempe annual license because we started rolling out the Granta tools on an aerospace-wide license Great. basis mm-hmm. instead of using it as a site license basis. Um, so um, that's basically how we did it here. So I, I was instrumental in using it as a, as a site tool. Mm-hmm. And then I, I basically proposed it to the people who were you looking at it arrow wide, and then they became very interested in it that way. And that's, um, I basically seeded their interest. And that's why we're using it as an arrow wide tool. So we're using right. Granta MI to store our data Mm-hmm. and um, to search for data um, globally. And then we use CES Selector more as a tool to do material selection um, for new programs and to evaluate um, new materials. Cool. That that That's a great – you were there through the whole development of this uh, product. So a little bit of background for, for folks who aren't familiar with Granta is it's, it's a – it was an independent company until a year ago uh, that really specialized in creating the kind of tools that we're talking about here today. Um, Granta, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Granta MI is is a what they call an enterprise materials information management system. So it's really a more than a database, uh, but it's but it's basically a way for you to control not just store your data, but control your data. Is that a valid statement in your opinion? After using it, exactly, that's true. Good. And then CES Selector. So this is the tool that I didn't really get until I saw a demo. So, um, Doug, you want to explain what CES Selector does? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. It's, you know, just from a, an ANSYS standpoint, it's an interesting product because it's not, it's a, it's a, it's a different customer uh, right. or user base. And so it's, it's not FE uh, related. And so mm-hmm. it, 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 it can lead to FE, but if you're just trying to essentially um, figure out what material you could switch to um, or try to drill down into other material substitutions, um, it's got a lot of really nice tools to um, essentially filter down from, uh, this is hyperbole, but every material known to man down to <laughs> that one material that could potentially replace it. And so looking at things as far as, you know, the mangrove manufacturing process, you know, what's molded, looking at uh, natural materials versus polymers, metals, ceramics, 
composites, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it's it's really uh, from a standpoint of you know uh, companies that do um, kind of cost control initiatives or you know looking for different vendors, different materials to cut cost. It's a really nice tool to just essentially say, I have this material. I want to find something that does the equivalent work of this or, or is, you know, can meet the same environmental requirements. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, very uh, slick down select operations from that. And that's so, why we find it's very valuable for us because our site and a lot of other customers um, will probably be involved with a broad spectrum of materials not just one like we do aerospace we do commercial aerospace we do military marine space and missiles some a lot of companies might just do one boutique set of materials that they use all the time and they wouldn't need a tool like this but a lot of companies um, will be involved with a broad range of materials composites ceramics metals elastomers and that's why a tool like this is very powerful because that they'll be able to pick the optimum material from each of those categories um, rather than having to pick the same material that might not be optimum for their application and it's it's when I saw it, it reminded me of the last time I did an actual design project. Which was quite a don't laugh, Doug. You're not going to say the date on that one. Say the date on that one. It was not for use by a dinosaur, but it was close. Um, but uh, it, it was a it was a fuel cell application where where weight and some other stuff were very important, and and we were trying to choose the right aluminum to make this housing out of. And I remember thinking, man, there should be some sort of a tool where you could put all these requirements in, and it would kind of lead you to what the best material would be for all these weird things that we're dealing with, like hydrogen environment and humidity and vibration in a car, and it has to be machinable and anodization. And well, guess what? There is a tool. <laughs> it's called CES Selector. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to, to have our guys play with it more. And and isn't there a, a plug-in for ANSYS? I forget the name of it that uh, gives there, you access. Yeah, there, 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 there is, but it, uh, it's uh, as of this date, I don't believe it's been officially released. Um, but yeah, the kind of this down select um, uh, process will show up in mechanical. And so okay. you can essentially filter off of, you know, show me materials with a yield strength of, you know, this range, uh, modulus of this, density of that. And so um, you know, that, that was probably one of the bigger things in uh, 2019 R2 was, um, the material assignment and definition uh, mm-hmm. within mechanical is, um, you know, in, in my opinion, a lot better. Some people yeah. might not like it, but uh, you know, uh, that that that's been a, a pretty big addition. And yeah, that that essentially selection and filtering mechanism is there. Yeah, along I'm sorry, along with a library of I believe like three hundred some mm-hmm. three hundred plus materials um, that come along uh, for, for the, the ride. ride. Yeah. So so John, I know that. One of the big advantages of this is it's already got a lot of material properties in it, but I think Honeywell has some of their own materials. Do you guys put your own materials in this database as well? We put our own materials in Granta MI, which is mm-hmm. the, the separate database. So, right. so yeah, we, we put hundreds of different um, alloys and materials that we've tested, um, composite materials as well as metallic materials. So uh, when we went um, corporate-wide with this tool, um, we basically developed a, 
a system where we went out, asked the different sites, what materials have you spent a lot of money testing? What materials would you consider valuable to put in this tool? So we, we developed a whole list of these, and then there was like several year effort to add all this data to the tool because we didn't want to repeat testing. We didn't want to lose data, and mm -hmm. we didn't want to silo this data in places where people didn't know that it existed. So that, that's one of the powerful things with having a tool like this. And John, uh, this is Ward. I uh, I understand that, that with the uh, uh, investment that Honeywell's made in developing materials and, and identifying them, um, all this is proprietary and remains proprietary uh, it, within your installation of Granta, uh, correct? Yes, that's true. Granta has a lot of controls in there that allows us uh, to maintain that um, level of uh, proprietary data. That's a really good point. You're not loading it to the cloud so that, you, so that right. GE and Pratt and Whitney can see the same properties. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, there was a lot good. of concern about that when we first were uh, debating this, but yeah. um, Granta has all those um, levels of uh, control in place. Good. good. That's excellent. That's good to know. Um, so, you know, if, if somebody, uh, let's say a material scientist like yourself is is in a mid-size or, or larger company, you know, what, what words of advice would you give them if they're looking at a tool like this or specifically at the grant tools that you learned from, from going through such a, a first a, a site implementation and then a, then a corporate wide implementation? Um, first I would try to um, look at the different types of applications that you have for materials in terms of to try to justify this tool. Mm -hmm. uh, because that, that's going to be one of the first things your leadership is going to look at. Um, so you're going to try to look at how you reuse data, mm -hmm. uh, cost avoidance in terms of losing data and um, optimizing applications and um, look at how many employees can take advantage of this type of tool. Because mm -hmm. um, we're constantly asked, how many users do you have? How many users can you use, can take advantage of this in the future? Mm -hmm. And that's something we're we're ha constantly having a hard time getting our arms around. Right, it's always hard to get those numbers. And the, one of the ways that we found to do it is turn off the license, and then you'll find out who's using. Exactly. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, I didn't. Somebody in Timbuktu is using that license. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's always a good tool. Um, what's what's your fit? Go ahead. Yeah, because we have people all over the world now right. using this tool, even CES Selector. Like we have people in countries all over the world, all over North America using that tool. That is that is very cool. What what's your favorite like thing about this whole tool set? When you when you get all excited about it, what's your favorite thing? Oh boy, it's it's hard for me to pick um, any one thing. Um, I like the broad range of data sets that it comes with. Because it's it's impossible to find data in any one module when you're mm -hmm. looking for data. Mm -hmm. um, so it's nice to have a whole spectrum of data sets that you guys can provide. Mm -hmm. And then um, in terms of CES Selector, I really like the graphical data tool um, for selection because I think that's one of the most powerful things um, in terms of set, setting a set of properties and then having a graphical way to display the data because it's very easy to focus in on the materials you want graphically rather than in a tabular format or numerically. Uh, I found that um, in design reviews and if you're trying to justify a material change to a customer, that's a much more powerful way to do it. 
That's a really good point. In fact, I didn't get what CES Selector was until I saw that graph, and it was you know kind of like, oh, now I understand. Um, Doug, are you you're going to do a webinar on Granta coming up? When's that coming? Uh, uh, I am not, but okay. but uh, Rob will be. Rob will. Uh, be. Okay. Yeah, he's on vacation right now, okay. and he's been the uh, uh, whether or not the. Uh, reluctant expert at it because he's he's had the most opportunities to talk about it. Good, um, good. Plus, it helps that he reports to me, so it's very easy for me to say that he's doing that. That's, that's um, called leadership. It's yes, leadership. yes. yes it's, it's, so, it, what, uh, what is that one webinar? I can't. Uh, I'm gonna have to look that one up. Yeah. Well, well, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and and when I when I edit this, I'll I'll put it in the the notes. But um. So the the graph he's talking about is kind of like a Uber Venn diagram um, that it just kind of you're exactly right. It just makes everything make sense as far as which material to use, and you'll be able to see that when Robert does the uh, webinar. So um, it'll be a good good example uh, to get in there and do that. Um, anything else, John, that you want to share with potential users or longtime users or words of wisdom? Um, I would just say um, get in there, play with the tool as much as you can just to uh, figure out how powerful it is. It's infinitely customizable, which is great. Um, there's there's a lot of hidden power in there that you might not know exists without actually getting in and trying different things. You're not going to break it. There's mm-hmm. there's there's you're not until you get in there and play with it. You're not going to know how powerful it is. Um, unlike other tools, you can get in there and use it right away. It, it doesn't really um, require hours and hours and hours of um, practice time to get something out of, which is something. Uh, something that I see is very valuable about this tool. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, granted, does do a monthly training sessions too, which I hope you guys are going to continue mm-hmm. doing yes. on both tools on MI and CES Selector, which is great. I think that's a fantastic way to um, get your users up to speed and get the most out of the tool. Mm-hmm. That's I was glad you brought up training because that was always that's always an issue. I, I feel like this is the kind of tool, database tool that's written for the people that need to get at the usable data rather than what's easy for the database administrator. Right. <laughs> you know, and and some of the past uh, materials databases that I've used, yeah, they were great if you were the one putting the data in, but they were a real pain if you just needed to find, you know, 714 steel, what, what's the Young's modulus? So it was like click, 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 click. So <laughs> I'm glad yeah. this one's a lot easier to use. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, Ward, Doug, you have anything else to you guys want to add before we wrap it up? Um, yeah, I've got one thing. Uh, John, uh, Eric, and I had the chance to go to um, uh, headquarters of Ansys this summer, and we heard a, we heard more of the inside scoop about how the how the uh, acquisition went, and some of the things that was that were really um, uh, that were really desirable by Ansys was the fact that Granta had teams of material scientists doing updates very very frequently. Um, everything from costs to uh, to uh, you know what they've learned over the, over um, testing and, and that such a thing. Do you have uh, experience of that kind of update? Uh, has that been good for you? That refresh that they have. Yes, I, I definitely you, you can tell that difference too. a lot of software companies. It's basically software engineers that are writing mm-hmm. the code and um, uh, you can basically tell that difference when you run the code. In this yeah. case, you can tell that there's a huge 
input from M&P engineers uh, in terms of how the tool is laid out, how the data is incorporated into it. And that's why the the tool itself is much more powerful. And I hope that that continues uh, to Mm -hmm. be the case in the future, because I think that's why this is so far ahead of all the other tools of its type out in the marketplace. Sure. I think that they thought that was the big that was the big asset yeah. uh, to yeah. acquire. <laughs> right. Um, do you guys have, make use of? I was. I've always been curious about the the cost information that that comes through. Um, has that been of use for you? Can does that help you make decisions? Oh yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, of course, it's not up to date in terms of monthly or six monthly uh, six month. Uh-huh. Um, data, but it's definitely a good tool in terms of doing a first rough cut in terms of comparing one material to the next. It's definitely valuable data. Great. Yeah. It's, it's, these are, this is both really good points and, um, it's making me want to do, I'm going to go ahead and do a follow on interview with, um, some folks from Granta to find out, I think we need to, to really dig deep into how they do this data acquisition because it's, it is kind of the the secret sauce, and the, besides being a very usable tool, um, I, I think you, you know Ward's points and 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 John's experience point to um, this is this is kind of what really sets it apart. And we need to to share. I need to get my head around that a little bit better as well, as because it's it's useful data. I think some of it comes from Underwriters Laboratory and places like that. So it's it's not just uh, going on the internet to MatWeb and downloading. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good. Doug, you got anything else? Not that I can think of. I'll be the boring one. Okay, that's good. That's all right. You, you've delegated, so it's fine. <laughs> um, I, I'm really excited about this. Um, I think the only only thing have you? I, I just thought of this uh, when we were when I was listening to your your uh, answer. Have you used it for additive manufacturing yet? Do you know, John? Um, I have not, but I think our Phoenix engine site might be entering data into it for that reason, because they're they're basically the leaders of our whole company in terms of doing that, because they've invested a lot of money in that. Yeah. So, so I bring it up because two areas that seem really strong, and you already mentioned one of them, uh, composites and now additive manufacturing. I mean, material science is a huge part of both of those um, areas, right? Uh, Right. Those who simulate or, or design those kind of components, we sometimes forget how important the materials are and, and tracking the materials, especially on the additive side is, is pretty significant. Uh, I think on the composite as well, cause you, you're putting multiple pieces together. Um, so you need to know where it all comes from and what the process was. So uh, exactly. it's pretty exciting stuff, pretty exciting stuff. All right. Well, um, as always, we could talk for like, you know, this is what we do, right? As engineers, we could talk for two hours about a material database and enjoy it. But <laughs> I don't know if even material scientists will listen to that. So we'll wrap it up. Um, I really, really do appreciate it. I learned, as always, learned uh, quite a bit. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on, John, and giving a user's perspective. It's very helpful to, to our listeners to to know what the real, real deal is with these new tools that uh, ANSYS is bringing to the family. And uh, we'll we'll uh, follow up with some more maybe in a little bit when as this tool grows and evolves we'll see well, how it in- impacts you guys definitely so I really well, appreciate it. thank you very much for your time too i appreciate it thank you okay. thanks, thanks doug thanks ward yep. thanks, guys. Okay. Right. thanks guys talk to you guys later bye bye bye
So that was very good. You think you can tell that I learned a lot from it. Uh, it was really great hearing it from a user who knows the code really well. Please do sign up for our webinar on August 14th. It's going to be at 11 a.m. Pacific uh, slash Arizona time. So as with all of our webinars, you can go to brighttalk.com and search for PADT or probably if you search for Granta, it's the only thing you're going to find. Or you can go to our homepage, uh, click on the events tab at the top and find a link in our list of events. Uh, you don't have to be live. You can listen to the recording once you've signed up. So you can do it now. You can do it afterwards. I, I do it now. And then it reminds you to go listen to it uh, at the uh, time of the event or afterwards. So please do do that. And hopefully you can see uh, with your own eyes what we were talking about. Let's pause for a commercial. Dave, you know that sending simulation work outside can be very difficult. I sure do, Linda. It's so hard to find someone that knows how to conduct simulation that also understands our products and design needs enough to add value. How do you know you have the right partner? You are so right. That is why so many companies turn to PADT for their engineering simulation needs. They are experts in structural, fluid flow, thermal, and electromagnetic simulation. They know how to drive design with simulation because PADT has been doing it for over 23 years, and some of their staff members have been building and running models for over 30 years. That's a lot of experience, but let's be honest. Working with a lot of outside providers is like throwing your projects over a wall. You send it, wait, and then get a number and a bill. That isn't what most people need. You hit on a key difference with PADT's team and why they have been doing this for so long. They have the technology down, but they also know from experience that constant and smart communication with customers is critical. And when they get done, instead of delivering just a number and pretty plots, they provide insight into the physics and behavior of what they're modeling. It really is like having a group of experts right there on your team. That is comforting. You can get burned without that. So I know I'm being kind of a skeptic, but simulation can be expensive and budgets are tight. So I want to make sure they really are a good solution. My last question is, how on earth do they stay so up to date on so many things? Yes, their capabilities are kind of overwhelming in breadth and depth, but the answer is pretty simple. Besides doing simulation as a service, they are an ANSYS elite channel partner. They have to sell to and support over 100 customers. This gives them exposure to every ANSYS product and almost every industry and application. You really can't find that anywhere else. Okay, Linda, you convince me. If someone needs to get some simulation done, how do they get started? Easy. They can email info at padtinc.com, call 1-800-293-PADT, or visit www.padtinc.com slash simulation. Someone from their engineering team will get back to them, usually within a day, to talk about what you need done. Cool. Thanks, Linda. Anytime. So what are you working on anyway? Hope you all don't find those too annoying. We've got to justify the time we spend on this a little bit by talking about what we do here at PADT. Uh, we are going to skip the news for this episode. There wasn't much to talk about anyway. I did pick out three articles from the ANSYS blog that I think are worth sharing. Two are from another acquisition, which we'll hopefully talk about soon here. It's a, 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 The first one's on top five reasons for solder joint fatigue. And this is for the um, from the team at ANSYS Sherlock. And it's for modeling. That tool is for modeling um, electronic assemblies and getting the reliability of those assemblies. So they take a look at one of the biggest issues, which is solder joint fatigue in that failure in that um, uh, article. 
fatigue being one of the reasons. And then they did another article about what is designed for reliability, which is what they're all about. And uh, that's in the second post. So check both of those out if you do any kind of electronics. And then uh, the third article I think worth reading on the ANSYS blog is the multi-physics simulation help simulations help engineers design a short range all electric aircraft motor it's a long title to describe the fact that they used ansys multi-physics to model this really cool uh aircraft uh, motor and this is the future electrification of everything including aircraft and it's also a great application for multi-physics so i think everybody should be interested in that regardless of what you use ansys for uh, we didn't post anything in the ansys blog or the padt blog so i don't have to skip over that um there's nothing there upcoming events we did talk about the grant webinar on the 14th we also have have our next webinar, which is High Frequency Electromagnetics Update for ANSYS 2019 R2, and that's on the 28th. You can find that as well on Bright Talk or our homepage to register for that. Other PADT events, uh, we are doing a lunch and learn here in our Tempe office next week for Desktop Metal. Check out the events page for the time and location for that. So if you're local and you're interested in knowing how this new lower cost metal 3D printer is coming along, we've had ours for a couple months now. We've learned how to use it. This will be kind of a talk on what we've learned. So check that out. That's it for uh, part one here. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe at www.padtinc.com slash opt in. Spread the word on the podcast and don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Answers podcast, episode 43, part two. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS, Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.